Hello. Before I begin the podcast, I'd like to throw in a little disclaimer about what I'm going to be talking about in today's episode. In this episode, I will be reading graphic descriptions of murder, violence, sexual violence, torture, and other things that are only suitable for mature audiences. I strongly suggest that if you are under the age of 13, or if you just feel like you won't be able to handle hearing descriptions of brutal serial murders, that you go ahead and turn off the podcast now. No harm, no foul, and everyone's happy. So, as always with this kind of content, listener discretion is heavily advised. With that being said, let's jump into the episode. Hello, and welcome to the Serial Killer Countdown. I'm your host, Jordan McCollum, and this is this is my new uh, true crime podcast where I discuss some of the worst serial killers that have ever been caught. Uh, I have always found serial killers interesting, and this podcast is just kind of a way for me to share that interest with other like-minded people who hopefully find this sort of morbid stuff interesting as well. In my last episode, I talked about a man named Javed Iqbal, also known as Kukri, who murdered 100 young boys throughout Pakistan. And you can listen to that episode now at anchor.fm slash serial killer countdown or on whatever app you use to listen to podcasts. This is the fourth episode of the show and today I will be talking about a particularly scary serial killer, at least to me. And he's really interesting to me because the reason he's so scary is actually because of his profession. And I mean besides being a serial killer, which I guess some people could see as a kind of sick profession. (laughs) And it really makes you wonder if this has happened before or since this man was caught, because his profession really gave him a lot of leeway to become a murderer. But we'll talk about that in a minute. So the man I'm talking about today is named Mikhail Popkov, a Russian serial killer known as the werewolf. And this might sound bad, but as far as serial killers go, there really isn't any nickname that I've come across that is as cool sounding as the werewolf, which really sucks because this guy was absolutely not cool at all. And I hate thinking that his nickname sounds cool for, you know, like a serial killer. It's like, it makes me feel bad. (laughs) So whoever gave him that nickname, shame on you. But anyway, Mikhail Popkov's confirmed murder count stands at 78 women throughout Russia, possible number of victims based on evidence and other confessions, upwards of 84 women. So, unlike the previous killers that I've talked about on this show, there really isn't a ton known about Mikhail Popkov's upbringing or childhood, Um, but we know that he was born in 1964 in Angarsk, Russia. I'm probably not saying that correctly, but We really don't know much about him until he starts that profession I told you about earlier that gave him a lot of leeway in his killing, which is a policeman. So he begins working for the police in Russia in about 1992, and this would also be when his killing spree starts as well. So a few years into Mikhail Popkov's police career, the Russian police begin finding the bodies of women in and around the area of Siberia. 
These women are found viciously murdered in brutal ways. They were killed using a variety of weapons, including axes, knives, rope, baseball bats, and even awls and screwdrivers. The police and media in Russia realize that these killings are being committed by a single person, and they dub this person the werewolf due to the brutality of the crimes. They name him this because it looks like the bodies of the women had been mauled to death by a werewolf. Their faces were completely destroyed, covered in blood. You couldn't even really tell who they were. Some of the women were decapitated, and one even had her heart ripped out of her body. The Russian police really had no leads in the case, especially since the women were all poor and many were prostitutes. The murders were also being committed before the widespread use of DNA evidence, so the police are not relying on combing the scenes for any kind of evidence to use like that. For years, this goes on, and police believe the killer is a metal worker or a railway employee or a truck driver or an engineer. So, in other words, they have no clue at all who this man is, and they really refuse to believe that one of their own is involved, even though some of the evidence at the scenes points to that, including tire tracks and things of that nature. But not only that, but in the instances that Popkov was suspected of being the killer, his wife would construct some sort of alibi that would get him off the hook, and this happened more than once. One good example of this is when one of Popkov's victims had contracted syphilis. Due to Popkov's habit of having intercourse with his deceased victims, this particular victim also passes the syphilis on to Popkov. When investigators find out that both the victim and Popkov had contracted syphilis, and that there is evidence at the crime that could have implicated a police officer, they decide to question him. However, his wife constructs an alibi for police when they bring her in to question her, and because of this, the police completely take Popkov off of their suspect list. Another time when his wife gives him an alibi, which turns out to be a lie, is when one of his victims actually survives his brutal attack. She's found unconscious in the woods due to blows to her head by police. However, no criminal investigation is even started for a very long time after she's found, and one is finally only started due to constant complaining from the victim's mother. When the girl is finally questioned about what happened to her, she tells police that she accepted a ride from a policeman who took her into the woods and savagely beat her within an inch of her life. And the police are shocked by this because they really don't think it can be a policeman who is involved in this murder spree, or perhaps they just don't want to believe that. So just to kind of complete the investigation and just kind of shoo her out of the office, they show her a bunch of pictures of many of the policemen, and she ends up positively confirming that it had been Mikhail Popkov that had attacked her with extreme confidence. This, again, obviously puts suspicion on Popkov as he was originally considered as a possible suspect in the last murder, but once again, when they bring in Popkov's wife to interrogate her, she gives him an alibi that the police accept, and they file away the girl's statement in their archives, making no other arrests and basically just not investigating the matter any further. The police investigation of these killings causes massive outrage in Russia, with people complaining that they're not taking it seriously and they're ignoring it because they know a police officer is involved and 
people just kind of think that this is just like a conspiracy that's happening within the police office. Another egregious example of this is when two families come to the police station saying that their daughters are missing. However, police state that they have to wait three days before anyone can be reported missing, so they do not investigate any further. The very next night, the bodies of these two young women are found in the woods, and they are found to have been murdered by the werewolf. These are just a few examples of how poorly this situation in Russia was handled. But this kind of thing went on for basically two decades, and Popkov was free to continue his killing spree indiscriminately, using his cover and the protection of being a policeman to his advantage. The people he worked with trusted him. They thought they knew him, and they just could not see how this mild-mannered family man could be a brutal killer like the werewolf was. Eventually, and finally, in 2012, DNA technology catches up with the police investigation, allowing them to test the DNA that they found at the scenes of the werewolf's crimes. Because of some of the evidence found at these scenes, such as 4x4 tire tracks used by a certain kind of vehicle that only police would use, and other things like that, this had given police a sort of pattern of this killer being connected to law enforcement. So they then decide to use this new DNA technology and test the DNA of over 3,500 current and former policemen throughout Russia. When they get the results of this DNA test back, investigators are shocked. The DNA comes back as a perfect match for Mikhail Popkov. Popkov is subsequently arrested, and when asked about his arrest, many of his colleagues just can't believe the man they had been working with was a killer. One colleague of Popkov stated, When I read about him in the press, I literally choked, because I used to work with him and thought I knew him. He was an absolutely normal man. He liked biathlon. Once on duty, he shot a rapist during an arrest. There was an investigation, and he was not punished. The chiefs considered he had taken fair action. Yet another colleague, when asked about the arrest, stated about Popkov, I used to work closely with him for five years. He knew lots of jokes and stories, and could be the soul of the party. And this kind of thing is exactly how Popkov was able to get away with all of his murders for two decades. He played the role of the stand-up policeman and family man so well that nobody could suspect him. Investigators came to find out that this was also how he lured many of his victims into his car. He confessed to the police who arrest him that he has killed 24 women. He tells them that the way he convinced them into his car is by waiting by bars late at night and offering rides to the drunkest woman he could find. He would use his charm, his police uniform and car, and his years of experience being a policeman to lure the young women into his car drive them to a remote area, usually the woods, and kill them. He would then have sexual intercourse with the deceased victim's bodies. When investigators asked Popkov why he committed his first murder, what started this entire killing spree, he basically says it was spontaneous, which is one of the most scary things about this case, in my opinion. He tells his investigators, I just wanted 
I, I just felt I wanted to kill a woman I was giving a lift to in my car. This was his exact quote. I just felt I wanted to kill a woman I was giving a lift to in my car. I believe this shows that he's just a sociopath who can feel no remorse or empathy or anything at all. He just felt like he wanted to kill someone, so he did. Now, in later years, while he's incarcerated, Popkov would recant on this and say that he murdered women who resembled his mother or because she was abusive to him, or even still later he would say he murdered women who resembled his wife because he had suspected her of cheating on him, and he murdered single women at bars because he believed they were cheating on their spouses and should not be out alone. But personally, I believe his true reason for killing was what he said on that first night he was arrested. He just felt like it. That one seems to ring the most true, in my opinion. Which makes him one of the more more disturbing killers that I have come across, for sure. For example, the other killers I've talked about so far, such as Pedro Lopez or Javed Iqbal, all gave plausible reasons why they killed their victims. For Pedro Lopez, it was because he was abused his entire life and killing made him feel like a god. It gave him power he never had in his life. He also wanted to save the children he killed from experiencing the poverty that he had experienced himself. With Javed Iqbal, he said he killed as revenge on the police for brutalizing him when he was a young adult. He also stated that he killed boys because they had become gang members and pickpockets and street children and police would do nothing to stop them. But Mikhail Popkov, in his most vulnerable moment, when he's first arrested for these murders, just basically says that he was curious what it felt like to murder. He didn't have a reason, no matter what he may have said later in his life. And that just, it really gets into my head a little bit. So, Mikhail Popkov sat in prison for three years, and in 2015, he is convicted of 22 of the 24 murders he confessed to, with the other two murders becoming attempted murder charges, for which he is also found guilty. Because of this, he is sentenced to life in prison. However, that is not the end of the story for Mikhail Popkov. Far from it, actually. Two years after he's sentenced to life in prison, in 2017, he yet again confesses to investigators that he killed many more than originally thought. He confesses to killing 59 more women than he was convicted of. He goes on to lead police to the bodies of many of these women, and he is again put on trial for these 59 new murders. It has been speculated why Popkov decided to confess these new murders, and many people think it was because the people of Russia had begun to stop talking about him, they had started to forget about him, and he wasn't happy at all with that. It's also speculated that he wanted to become the killer with the highest death count in Russia, and confessing to these new murders put him over the top of other Russian serial killers. That's just how narcissistic and just sociopathic this man was. Regardless, Mikhail Popkov was found guilty of 56 of the 59 additional murders, bringing his confirmed kill count up to 78 women. He was subsequently given another, another life sentence in prison, where, as of the recording of this podcast, he resides to this day. Thank you.
Thank you so much for listening to this fourth episode of the Serial Killer Countdown. This little hobby I've started has certainly proven to be very interesting to me, and I've already learned so much just from researching all these new serial killers, and I've also learned a lot about podcasting, which has just been an absolute blast so far. I hope if you've listened to my previous episodes that you are also learning new things, and I wanted to thank you for joining me on this journey through the list of the worst serial killers of all time. I hope you enjoyed the episode, and you can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram under the username SKC Podcast. That's all one word, SKC Podcast. You can also follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash SKC. That's twitter.com slash SKC. Thank you, and have a great rest of your day. Thank you.